Episode 7. 007, everybody. This might be a lucky number. Uh, before we get started, though, I want to say thank you to everybody who wrote in with some questions. Because today, we're featuring some of your questions with my guest. My guest today is Chris Granrude. So you're going to hear some of your questions that you guys wrote into me over at thefreshwaterbite.com. And uh, it's kind of like a snazzy way to get you guys involved with the show as well. So keep them coming. Because at the end of this episode, I'm going to tell you who the guest is for show number eight. And you guys can email more questions that you would want to ask that person. But for now, let's get into episode number seven. For the last you are listening to the Freshwater Bite Podcast. This could be the last time that we hear this intro music. I'm thinking about changing it up for the fall, maybe the winter season, get something new and fresh in there. But today's guest is Chris Granrud. Chris is the owner and operator of Rainy Days Guide Service. He runs a fishing guide business up in International Falls, Minnesota, and he is also the sales manager for JT Outdoor Products. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a fishing guide? Chris shoots us straight on uh, some things, the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, what's good, what's not so good, what to expect when starting a business like this. Uh, it could be a good slap of reality for some folks who've been thinking about it. But uh, on the other side of things, we also get into some ice products from JT Outdoors that you might want to consider adding to your arsenal this year to be more successful on the ice. Man, I'm excited to talk ice products too. I mean, it's September, but Chris really uh, starts getting me pumped up and jacked about uh, ice fishing season. It's kind of just around the corner. So I hope you guys learn a lot from this episode. Chris is a great dude. He's been in the business for a long time, and he shares a lot of valuable information about what it means to risk it all and take a shot at your passion. All right, I want to welcome Chris Granrude to the show. Chris, uh, welcome, and uh, thank you for taking the time to sit down and uh, talk to us. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, Lee. So, you know, I caught you in the middle of your packing for something. Where are you going? <laughs> We're going to Alaska, last frontier. For what? Well, we're going to pull shrimp pods and crab pods and uh, uh, catch halibut, salmon, hike. I'm not 100% sure I'm coming back, Lee. <laughs> so not only do you fish during the day full-time with your guide service, you've got to go on vacation to do more fishing. <laughs> pretty much the case. Yeah, that's pretty much the case. You know, um, always a dream of mine to go to Alaska. We went uh, for the first time last year. Uh, with Joe Bricko from JT and uh, his wife, and then a friend of ours uh, who works for the Coast Guard in Ketchikan. And uh, yeah, it was just the time of our lives. So uh, we're definitely looking forward to getting back there again. I can't imagine you're like Lindy Reagan or anything out there in Alaska. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it's so much different, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> we're catching those halibut like in 400 feet of water with three pound weights. So oh, un unbelievable. Yeah. And the uh, salmon, I mean, are just amazing. I mean, 
Um, you know, I've just, I, I haven't, I've fished a lot, but I haven't fished for salmon and halibut and that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, we're really excited. We're going, you know, a little later here in September, hoping to catch some of those silver salmon, uh, moving up some of the rivers there and, um, uh, just super excited to go. Dang dude. I'm jealous. Well, I hope you guys have a great <laughs> trip and we'll, uh, we'll have to follow along and, uh, see how you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be a blast. All right. So, you know, for everyone out there, um, just tell everybody what you do for a living and what, and actually how you got started into doing what you're doing. Sure. Sure. Well, um, I'm a fishing guide. Um, I owned a bowling center, a restaurant, um, and a bar and worked a prototypical, uh, 85, 90 hours a week and, worked you know week on end to come up and fish for a you know, 48 hours straight and go back and work my brains out and come back and fish for 48 hours straight and and at one point I just decided that it just wasn't wasn't for me I mean my passion was fishing um I had been doing some outdoor writing and a little bit of following um um in the outdoor world from just writing and blogging things of that sort and um I ended up uh, selling, I was at a partnership, sold my portion of the business and uh, moved up north and uh, decided I was going to be a fishing guide. So um, I'll tell you what, it was a, a total leap of faith. Um, I, had a, I had a family and sold part of my business, moved uh, 350 miles north uh, without a, um, you know, any kind of connection. I didn't have any family up here. I didn't know anybody. Uh, came up here, built a home, and uh, started a guide service. And I'll tell you what, there wasn't a lot of room for air, Lee. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So, I mean, moving away from friends and family, um, you know, for, okay, first off, tell everyone where you moved to and the name of your guide business. Absolutely. So uh, I moved to International Falls, and uh, we own a guide service, uh, Rainy Days Guide Service, here on Rainy Lake and the Rainy River. And uh, I, I was from southern Minnesota. And um, I'll tell you what, that I believe that's one of my biggest advantages is the fact that I'm a tourist. And uh, uh, sometimes locally, you know, I mean, you know, we're still still kind of an outsider. You know, we're a tourist. We're not, uh, you know, uh, born and raised here in, on Rainy Lake. My grandpa didn't fish Rainy Lake. Um, so but I view it. I view uh, the opportunity as a tourist a lot of times. And I think that we're able to relate to our customers uh, just for the fact that, you uh, you know, I know what it's like to not have this in my backyard. And uh, um, now I feel very, very fortunate. We live right on Rainy Lake here. Um, we fish for a living. And um, it's just something I don't take for granted. And it truly is a passion. It's not a fake passion. You know, right. It's truly what I would do, uh, whether there was customers here or not, I would be out fishing Rainy Lake. So I think that has a lot to do with our success. When it becomes a job, it's a lot different than when you're working within your passion. Um, and people can read through that. Uh, is there ever a time where, you know, you always hear people sometimes saying, you know, sometimes if you go into a career with your passion, it ruins the passion. Has it done any of that for you or has there just been, um, you know, tough days or you know, how can you comment on that to, to those other people who say, you know, be leery of, of what you do for a living when you try to chase your passion? Cause sometimes it, it ruins it. Yeah, it, it certainly will alter it. Uh, there's no question about it. Um, you know, fishing, uh, for us is a business. I mean, that's how we pay our bills. Um, it's the career cho choice and path. Um, so it's viewed differently. Um, but 
I still enjoy fishing. You know, uh, the worst days fishing um, are still real good days, even though it's your business. But yeah, you're you're tied up into more of the business aspect of it now. You know, what I mean, right. so um, it's not. You know, I think somebody young that decides they want to be a fishing guide or they want to be in the fishing industry, they don't necessarily think about uh, the work aspect of it or the business aspect of it. Um, it's not just fishing. Fishing is actually a, a small portion of you being successful as a fishing guide. Um, you know, we have we have nine licensed captains uh, working through our guide service. Uh, we'll have ran over 500 guide trips this open water season Dang. uh it's uh we're probably one of the busiest guide services in the entire midwest but i will tell you um operating at that capacity is a lot of work so if you want to be a fishing guide the first thing i would tell you <laughs> is be a marketing guy be a have a, have a business degree um and have that kind of stuff in place and that will help you um be successful um because it's going to be far beyond your fishing prowess <laughs> so if i'm a young a young angler or you know someone who's looking or you know taking it seriously to try to to guide for you know uh, for a living and start a business like you did where would I, where would i start would you recommend you know almost being like an apprentice of a local guide or someone you look up to and just kind of work for free or see how you can kind of help out and just hang out with that guide and, and learn that way? Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I, because we get asked that all the time, you know, everybody wants to be a, be a fishing guide. Um, you know, I would do something probably a little different than what I did. Actually, I would probably go, um, start guiding for somebody that's successful and uh, uh, somebody that's got a following because you're going to need to build your name up a little bit. You're going to need to learn some things and um, you know, maybe there's an opportunity uh, within somebody else's structure uh, to get your feet wet, if you will, uh, to learn the ropes um, and to make sure you can pay your bills in the meantime and then uh, grow from there. So um, you know, our guides that, that work with us um, we all work as a team um, even though I technically own the business, we're all part of the business. You know, we help each other out. It's a, it's definitely a team effort. And, um, you know, that makes things a lot easier. You know, they're like anything they're they're tough days. I mean, you know, it's, uh, uh, I would say where it can get hard for you is that, you know, we love to fish. I mean, <laughs> people in the fishing industry, they get in the fishing industry, love to fish, but you got to remember that when there's money involved in it, and people are, you know, saving up, you know, for months on end to come up and, and book three, four, five days with you and your service. There is some pressure to produce. You know? right. So when you're out there, uh, and I would say it's going to be different than a tournament setting. In a tournament setting, there's pressure to produce uh, for, your, for yourself and then for your sponsors. Uh, your sponsors want you to do well. You obviously want to do well. That's how you get sponsorships and, you know, hopefully, you know, make some money or recuperate some money. And from a guide service, uh, customers need to do well um, so you can lower your attrition. You know, if you if you do poor every day on the water, you're trying to rebook your schedule all the time because nobody wants to fish with you. And, bad, you know, that bad press doesn't <laughs> serve you well. So, right. um so the pressure is there, you know, I mean, uh, people have seen, especially in social media, they've seen the glory, you know, they've seen the big fish. Uh, sometimes they, they have a rosy picture 
uh, painted in their own head that when they come up, it's pretty much just going to be just reel and fish in. Um, and we know as as uh, fishermen, whether you're fishing guides or tournament guides or or weekend anglers, fishing isn't that way. Um, you know, you're going to have to go out and figure out that bite each and every day. So, um, you know, it, it's a uh, it's a very very rewarding career. Um, but I, I don't want to paint a rosy picture to, to a young guy that thinks he's just going to just go out and <laughs> fish for a living and everything is going to be great. So you're going to have to have to do some things right to be successful. Now, how did you choose that body of water? So if, you know, someone's, again, trying to think about this as a career path, how important is choosing a body of water to guide on? I mean, obviously you didn't grow up on um, rainy lake or rainy river. Like you said, you just kind of moved, yeah. up, moved up there on a whim. Yeah. How, how did you choose that body of water and what should other people looking to do what you did look for in, in a fishery? Yeah, another real good question. Um, I think the body of water is pretty key. Um, you know, um, Rainy Lake is a destination fishery. Um, uh, we have Voyagers National Park here. People want to come see Voyagers National Park. Um, it's right on the Canada border here. Um, so it's as far north as you can get without... Um, you know, driving across Canada. Um, it, it requires a captain's license to be able to guide in our body of water. Okay. Um, so, so maybe it's a little bit more difficult for everybody to, to guide in the body of water. Um, if fish is fairly complex, um, you know, <laughs> you know, sometimes again, you know, we paint a picture that, you know, we're always just going out and whacking fish. Uh, but you got to remember, we have nine captains on on the water. We share a lot of information. We live on this water. We fish this bite every single day. But it is fairly complex. You know, like right now, I'd say, for example, real prime. There's some really, really good fishing out there, but there is a pile of dead water. So if you were to just come up here and try to break down, you know, this 225,000 acres of water, stay at the local resort and think you're going to, you know, head out a mile and go out and whack fish, it's just not going to happen. I mean, if fish is fairly complex. Um, so, um, you know, those are bodies of water, something that maybe fish is kind of complex. It's got a lot of different patterns and bites going, a lot of different species to fish for. Uh, other things beyond just fishing that people might want to come up and see and tour, um, those are all things that could potentially um, book guide trips for you and uh, keep you busy. Okay. So, you know, like you said, it's not even just about a great fishery in the middle of nowhere. It's about also what surrounds the lake, other activities to do um, for tourists to hang at, uh, lodges to stay. And uh, obviously the the body of water has got to be pretty decent to fish as well. But um, so, so going forward, where would you say um, for someone to start getting into the guide business, give me some basic, let's say top five things, or maybe harsh realities that people can come to expect when trying to get into this business? Okay. Um, if I were to do it over, let's, let's do it this way. If I were to do things over, um, what, what would I do, uh, knowing what I know now to be successful? Uh, number one, I would have a, have a job that pays my bills. Okay. Um, and I would, I would have it as a second job. I think, uh, that's that's the way of the world right now. Um, a lot of people maybe have a job that not exactly what they want to do. Um, it's paying their bills um, and they're supporting themselves or their families, what have you. But it's not exactly what they want to do. So I don't know that I would do what I did <laughs> and and uh, sell sell out and then go jump 100% in. 
because there is a lot of stress in making that work. I don't know if everybody's exactly, you got to be wired a certain way to make that happen because uh, there's no room for error and there is some stress there. So what I would do is maybe uh, keep your safe, sound, secure job um, and start guiding on the side. Um, you're going to want to start getting involved um, in the marketing aspect of the fishing industry. Okay. And here's, here's where, um, you know, I think some people fail. They want, uh, they want to be on a pro staff. They want, they want uh, to be representing uh, a company um, in thinking that that's going to build their name. And in all honesty, the best way to do it would be to uh, you know, get, a, get a following of your own first. So fish, help educate people, whether that's through social media, whether it's through fishing clubs, whether it's taking people out, whatever it may be, and start building your own following. And then when you're bringing value to the fishing industry, um, you're going to have a lot of value to these different fishing companies. Okay. Um, and then you can start networking, you know, with people that are within the fishing industry, not um, not just uh, businesses, but I mean, just people, you know, uh, connected people in the fishing industry. Um, and then, uh, you, you know, you're going to start building some of your own customer base. If you can work with another fishing guide, um, you know, that obviously is going to help you out, start getting some trips. Um, but try to be an expert in, in your field, you know, I mean, and, and not only that. But, but be um, somebody that's uh, good at teaching people and, and, and hopefully you find value in helping others. In all honesty, if, if you just like to fish, that's not going to make you a successful fishing guide at all. Mm -hmm. You have to like um, other success. You have to like teaching people and sharing your passion with others, not just as a fishing guide, but maybe through social media, maybe at sports shows, whatever it may be. If that's really your passion is helping others and communicating with others, you'll probably be successful as a fishing guide. Yeah. And like you said, if you look at it like a whole, right? Like if you're all about promoting the entire, not just yourself, but just fishing in general, is that where right. you say you got a lot of customers that way, whether that was social media or did you find or i guess i should say where do you get most of your customers from is it word of mouth just from great experiences you know like say people saying you know i went on on the boat with chris granrude uh of rainy days guy service yeah. um not only did i catch fish i learned a ton of how to catch the fish and he took the time to you know teach me a new technique and do you hear that coming from your customers coming back yeah that i mean that's really how we've grown um, without any question was word about advertising. Okay. There's really nothing more powerful than that. Um, so, you know, every time we have a, a new customer, I mean, uh, really at this point, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't need any new customers for myself. You know, we're, we're filling our other captains and what have you. Um, but every new customer is super, super important. Um, I like to meet the new customers. Um, I, I try to build relationships with everybody, not just fishing, you know, potential fishing customers, but just fishermen. I try to build relationships with them. Um, and the more people you know, the bigger network that you have, um, the better opportunity that you have to be successful um, from being a fishing guide to just being in the fishing industry in general. Um, but again, it's got to be something that you're not, you're not necessarily doing it 
always for business. You're doing it because you want to. I mean, that's that's where you're passionate. Because trust me, you're going to get exhausted. You're going to get exhausted. And when, when it just becomes, I got to do this because this was good for my business, that will stop. Um, but you'll you'll yield those those phone calls at 10 o'clock at night or, you know, six o'clock in the morning or, or whatever it may be um, from, from general people that probably are not going to book a fishing trip with you um, because you just like to talk to fishing about fishing with people. And uh, um, again, that's where it's really, really important is just to have that passion uh, for being in the industry and sharing, you know, your passion about fishing. Tell me about a rough day on the water, on the water. If you have an example, just just to put it in perspective for someone who's who's thinking about this, just give us an example of a rough day. Sure. Uh, again, great question because you know what, everybody's got the ideal ideal day in your mind. Uh, here's here's a rough day. Uh, so a rough day is uh, you're in a rough weather pattern. Uh, you're a fisherman, so you know you're in a rough path, weather pattern. Got heavy wind. You're in a big lake. Fish are out in the in the big lake in the deep water, so you can't break yourself out of the big winds to catch fish. You've got to go out and and man up in the worst conditions with no windbreak. Um, and now you've got a cold front that's coming through. Um, maybe the bite is just really kind of in a, in a bad bad period. Every lake will go through that. Um, and then uh, your customers, new customers that come to you, um, put a lot of pressure on you. Um, meet them in the morning, and, and uh, they're thinking if they fill out with walleyes at nine, if they can go go catch some pike, and maybe the F, if they get their pike limit, if they can go catch some smallmouth sometime during the middle of the day. And you know, on the back of your mind, that this bite is going to be horribly tough. Nobody's going to be catching a limit of walleyes by nine. It's going to be four footers out there, and and the customers you know, probably aren't real adept fishermen. Um, so, you know, they've already got it in their mind how, how easy it's going to be. Um, and you know that, you know, <laughs> she's going to be really, really tough. And then, then you go out there and you're, and you're getting beat up. I mean, like if you're a tournament fisherman and you fish for two or three days in horrible weather or a week in horrible weather, you know what that does to your body as a fishing guide, I mean, you could do it for 25, 30 days in a row. I mean, oh. you could get to the point that you can hardly walk up your own stairs. So you're physically drained um, and you're mentally drained. Where guys fail, Lee, and I'll tell you this, and I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, we've got a lot of captains, you know, um, a lot of good captains. Some haven't made it. Some are still with us. Um, where people fail is on the mental side of things. Um you have to be the entertainer in that boat, and that's where people um, struggle. Um, guys generally put their body through some pretty <laughs> physical rigor and pretty tough stuff. Um, but when they're not biting and they're just not going very well, for you to hold the floor and, and keep entertaining your customers, keep them smiling, keep a joke going here and there, keep the mood light, keep them motivated, keep them positive, stay in the game. We're going to, you know, hey, we're going to get them. Yeah, boy, yeah, we're a little up against it here, but we're going to do this. And um, to be able to do that all day long, uh, day in and day out, on top of maybe a bad bite and physical, you know, wear and tear, um, that's where you're going to find out if you're going to make it or not. Um, you know, again, I think that we have a, a tendency to look at that good day, you know, right. <laughs> 70 degrees, light wind, fish are just thumping, tips are big. I mean, everything is glory. Um, it's the bad days. Um, 
And then can you hit the reset button? Can you, no matter who you are, um, you know, um, I've ran over 1,400 guy trips. You know, um, I can go out there and have a real horrible day yet. At the end of the day, is it going to eat me alive so I can't sleep and, you know, my wife and I have a problem or what have you? Or are you able to hit the reset button and go, you know what? I left it on the water out there. I did everything that I could. The lake got me today, but tomorrow is going to be my day. And if, and if you've got that, cap- that within you, if you could hit that reset button and come out the next day as optimistic, as positive, and as aggressive day in and day out, uh, then you can make it. Um, but I'll tell you that um, it's tougher. Uh, that's where people struggle. It's tougher than people think it is right there. Um, that to keep that you know positive attitude, then go out and 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 do well for your customers, and make sure they're getting a hundred ninety nine percent every single day. Yeah, it's you know I, I can't I can I mean I, I've had a few instances where I've I've hit it hard fishing you know three four days in a row, but you know at the end of the day I get to come back, kick my feet up, relax, you know, kind of yeah. shower <laughs> off. I I mean my my yeah. income's not. <laughs> not making me go out there and do that but i tell you what you can be your own worst enemy because you can get so frustrated at fishing but at the same time that's what's humbling and and if if you truly have that passion it's also what keeps you going back out on that water it's almost like um, what's the definition of insanity like repeating the same thing over and over expecting to get a different result or something like that yeah yeah it's crazy like this past weekend we went salmon fishing and and we must have tried three or four different techniques salmon fishing these last three four days and we only had one king salmon to show for it and then we were beating our heads off the wall like guys were catching fish next to us like what are we doing wrong you know you get so frustrated but at night i tell you what i laid down two nights ago that's all i could think about was salmon fishing again it's like (laughs) it kicked my ass but at the same time that's all i can think about and that's all i wanted to do was like man if i could go back out there again tomorrow and not get paid for the day to go to work i would totally do it you do it again you know what and that's a that's a very very good point a real good analogy you have there too uh, that people could draw from if you don't have a little bit of competitive spirit um, then you're going to struggle as well. So, um, you know, if you can spin that competitive spirit, um, uh, for your customers, mm-hmm. um, customers pick up on that too. You know I mean? Um, so I'll give you a good example. Like if we're in a tough bite, say maybe we're in a, towards the end of a mayfly hatch and then a cold front comes in then big winds come in you know and you've got this things kind of piled on top of each other not what you would draw up for a successful day on the water um when i come meet customers in the morning and maybe i've met them for the first time or having breakfast i'm real with people i don't paint any kind of rosy picture i say here's the deal this is what we're up against we've got a you know we've been in this mayfly hatch for two weeks now uh, temperature dropped 35 degrees overnight. We've got a bad cold front. We've got really, really heavy winds out there. Um, this is not ideal, but here's my plan. Here's what we're going to try to do. Here's what I think might be successful. If this doesn't work, we're going to try this. If this doesn't work, we're going to try this. I can't promise you that we're going to go out and put 75 walleyes in the boat or you're going to catch your personal best walleye today, but I can, I can promise you that I've got Um, more knowledge on this body of water than anybody that I know. And I can promise you that I'm going to give you 250% all day long. We're going to fish it like I'm 
fishing for the tournament of champions. That's how we're going to fish today. So, so I think, um, customers know if they know you're given everything that you have, um, they, they appreciate that. And I appreciate that. I mean, you know, that's all you can ever really ask of anybody is just give me everything you have. You know, if you've given me everything you have, um, everything you've got, um, that's all I could ever ask. I mean, you know, um, so that's what we try to do. That's what all of our guides try to do. Um, you know, guys will have a bad day or guides will have a bad day. Uh, but I will assure you every one of these guides will break themselves for you. <laughs> no. And so. I think, and then I think that's, that's as a customer, I think, you know, what a lot of people are looking for. I mean, obviously they're looking to catch fish, but yeah. if, if you see a guy out there, you know, busting his ass and, you know, talking to you, explaining every little detail, I mean, I would appreciate that so much more, even if we only caught one fish the entire day. If he took the time to answer all my questions, you know, you know, entertain my wife or whoever's with me or my buddies and stuff like that. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you're going to remember. You're not going to really remember the size of the fish that you caught for the most part. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, um, you're really uncovering a lot of real key things here, Lee. Um, I would tell you that, um, we've caught a lot of really nice fish. Um, but I would say that our success has been an ability to turn customers into friends and build relationships. Right. And, um, that's how you become successful. I will tell you that I've went out and had a horrible fishing day and built one of my best customers off of that horrible fishing day. Um, when you are, when you are able to uh, bond, uh, with other people, when you're able to build relationships with other people, um, that's how you truly will be successful, not just in fishing, but frankly, any, anything that you're trying to do. Um, if you can do that now, if you can do that with some fishing prowess and some fishing knowledge, um, if you're a good entertainer and if you're good at, uh, uh, reproducing a pattern, um, now you've got something. Um, but those are all different things that, that go into play with being a successful fishing guide in my mind. Yeah. And you know, the sport needs it. The sport needs the, that kind of camaraderie to keep people engaged, to keep buying licenses, to keep buying gear, to keep our, you know, all that money goes back into fisheries and research and, you know, conservation and stuff like that. And it just helps our sport in general. And if you go out there and people get turned off because they had a bad time because they didn't catch any fish and they don't really remember anything about the journey of, yeah. you know, trying to catch the fish, <laughs> that's where, that's where we lose anglers and, and hunters or whatever you're doing. But if you make that yeah, journey it, memorable, well, you know, and they, they walk away with something like, man, I had a blast catching no fish. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, that's just it. We just had, uh, we had, we've had eight different corporate outings this summer. We just had a Napa, uh, corporate group that ended yesterday. And I'll tell you, um, we have so much fun on these trips. Not only are the, are the customers themselves, they're competing for a big fish. So they're heckling each other back and forth through the boats. But now you've got the guides. The guides are fairly competitive with each other as well. So um, there's heckling back and forth. And uh, I was fishing next to uh, one of our other fishing captains, Captain Chris Son, is obviously on the JT staff as well. And we were fishing within earshot of each other. And we're giving it to each other back and forth. <laughs> and, and it was just, I mean, honestly, um, I was doing pirouette hook sets. And, and it was, I mean, customers are laughing. Chris is laughing. I'm laughing. Um, 
so even though we are serious fishermen, we're, we're you know, we're, we're trying to catch fish to the best of our ability, you know, to put our customers on fish, we're having a lot of fun. I mean, customers, are they can hardly hold their rod. They're laughing so hard and having so much fun. Um, we come back to the resort and, and we're hanging around each other and the camaraderie uh, between the fishing guides and, and the customers uh, and, and then transition that into friendships now. Now we're talking about, I'm going to Alaska. This guy's been to Alaska. Now we're finding common grounds and, um, you know, that really is how you become successful. Um, now that that customer isn't the customer anymore. Now you've got you've got something in common with him. Um, you've got a history together. You know, I've got I, my, a lot of my customers send Christmas cards to me, birthday cards to me. I mean, there's wow. I mean, so it's just uh, if you can get to that level, um, you can have a lot of success. And I think that answers my question that I was going to ask you about. Maybe there's a guide out there or someone who's thinking about getting into guiding. You know, what do I? Their, their fear of failing, right? Coming in with no fish. But I think we just covered yeah. that about, you know, it's not just all about catching the fish. It's about, like you said, the marketing, sure. the people skills, it's teaching fishing. Yeah. So, you know, anyone listening out there, I think what we just talked about, if you ever had any fears of, I'd love to be a guide, but I can't stand that pressure of maybe letting my customer down. I, th- I think what Chris just described is something that you should think about. Yeah, you're going to you're going to fail, you know, and and failure is a part is a big part of your success. Um, You know, temporarily I've failed. You know, I mean, I've I've come in without without, you know, many good fish and and not certainly what we sought uh, to do. Um, But let that drive you. Let that inspire you to be better. Learn from that. You know, I mean, um, the days that I fail are the days that I learn the most. I learn the most about myself. I learn how to handle tougher situations. Um, so it's not just about the body of water, uh, but those failures uh, really will build you as a person. Um, so don't look at a failure as as an ultimate failure. Look, look at it as a lesson. You know, I mean, so my worst days, and I still have, <laughs> trust me, I still have plenty of lessons. Right. Um, but when that happens to me, you know, I'll sit back. Maybe it's, maybe it's after the trip when I'm at home or what have you, and I'll reflect on the day and, and, uh, and learn from that. What could have I did a little differently? What will I do tomorrow different? Will I do the same thing or will I do this? You know? Um, so, um, again, it's all part of it. And, you know, there's a reason why we yell so loud and scream and holler when things go right. Cause we've got so much invested and we work so hard for it. So, um, you know, I'm pretty well known in the fishing industry for screaming like a schoolgirl when somebody catches the big fish. <laughs> yeah, just go to your <laughs> Facebook you know page. <laughs> yeah. We've just got so much vested in it. You know, we know yeah. what that means. We know how much um, it means for somebody to get that personal best fish. That's why they're here. We're trying so hard to make that happen. Um, and when it does happen, it's just, you know, um, yeah, it's just a release of excitement. <laughs> All right. Last kind of guiding question. Can you think of or share a funny story with us? You don't have to name names or anything like that, but just a funny story on one of your guide trips. Oh, gosh, yeah, there's there's just so many. <laughs> um, well, I had, uh, yeah, I had a guy um, that was in the boat with me, and he said, uh, Chris, he said, I'm going need to need to head to shore. I'm going to need <laughs> to use the, use the bathroom. And... Uh, the fishing had been pretty tough that day, and we had just got on a nice little pot of fish, 
pulled a couple of good ones out of there. We had them, had them, I was right on them. And I said, you want to give her a, a few minutes here? And I knew we could stick a few more fish out of that. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, no, <laughs> like we're going to need to go right now. <laughs> fish don't, I could tell, fish like, don't matter yeah, right now. I could tell it was super serious. So I like, <laughs> I, I reeled it as fast as I could. I brought the trolling motor as fast as I could. And I reeled his rod in, and like he he was like he was so locked up, like he couldn't reel his rod in. He couldn't do anything. <laughs> so I like I, I was running back and forth, like please, please do not poop in my boat. Don't go uh, in the so boat. I, <laughs> so I, I reeled everything in, and it was super windy out. So we're just barreling across the lake, and he he was sitting right next to me, and he had like both of his hands on the bar. <laughs> Just oh. side I'm like, no, come on, come on, you can make it. And I kept telling him like, oh, we just got like about three miles. There's a campsite up here. Should be, should be all right. And he, and he still wasn't answering me at all. And I just kept looking at all. So he just goes, uh oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my goodness. So, so we went up. We went up to um, Kettle Falls. He had his uh, son uh, was along with him. He's like. Chris, I'm so sorry. You know, oh. you know I, I will, we'll clean it up. And I said, yeah, no, that's all right. And he said, do you suppose Kettle Falls has like um, any like sweatpants or pants you could change <laughs> into or something? Can you go up there and grab some? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll go up there and see what they've got. So I walked up the trail to Kettle Falls Hotel there and, and the owner was there. And I said, yeah, I had a customer that had a little bit of an accident in the boat there. I said, I don't suppose you have like any sweatpants or anything. And he's like, you want them logo? guy just crapped his pants i'm pretty or not i'm sure if you're girl if you're married (laughs) (laughs) that could be pink i don't think he really cares yeah i don't don't think it's probably that important at this point (laughs) oh that's awesome well there you go folks that's a random day at the office there for the fishing (laughs) all right so we'll transition over into um you are also the sales manager for JT Outdoor Products. Can you talk a little bit about, I mean, I had Joe Brickle already on the podcast. He talked a yep. lot about, you know, the humble beginnings of JT. But can you tell me just kind of your version of it, of where, what you were, you know, how you got involved with Joe and uh, your perspective of, of the company? Sure, sure. Well, um, Joe's a good friend of mine um, and uh, we're wired a lot alike. Um, and so Joe and his dad had, had started the company a number of years back, started with the hot box and, and, uh, you know, things of that sort. Um, I came from the end. I knew people needed high end fishing rods and, uh, people's success a lot of times had to do with the equipment they were using. So, so I was always running really high end rods at the time. I, I had, uh, I think 10, Loomis NRX rods in my guide boat. So those are $575 plus tax. So, Mm -hmm. um, but I learned a long time ago that when people have success, um, they want to come back. If they lose a fish, never gets to the boat, um, or don't catch a fish, the attrition rate was high. So if people do well, they want to come back. So that was good for my business. So a lot of times, um, people would bring, you know, really mediocre or poor, 
uh, fishing rods in the boat. And a lot of times it was a finesse bite or a stick bait bite or, you know, like a, a tick bite, whatever it may be. But you really had to be on top of your game to, to catch some of those fish. It wasn't always an easy bite. Um, and by, by allowing them, you know, to utilize a higher end rod, um, they were having greater success. Um, so, so I knew that, um, that was real key, uh, to our business. Um, so I reached out on Facebook, actually. Um, I wanted to build a rod, uh, that was going to be comparable to that Loomis NRX that I was utilizing. Um, I, I just put like a random post on my Facebook page and I kind of knew Joe a little bit, uh, uh, before this, but not, not a lot. And, um, I was barraged by rod builders i mean i i can't tell you if there's 150 or 160 people uh, responding to me about building me this this rod i wanted to um, um build these rods and then be able to buy them for myself and then also distribute them through our guide service to customers and our guides and stuff like that but joe brickle um stood out to me uh he he contacted me he said already on it already working on it right now almost got it done and, um, I just really like, I, I like can do attitude. <laughs> I like this, you know, proactive thinking and can do it, you know, uh, uh, attitudes. And, and so we met and uh, just hit it off right away. Um, and I had a, had a vision and, um, he liked that vision. And a lot of this kind of coincided with what, well, um, so we started, uh, you know, getting more with the company that he had started and, uh, we started building a real high-end fishing rod. I told Joe, I said, I don't ever uh, want to utilize something I don't think is as high-end as possible. So let's not ever skimp on the componentry of the rod. I want to use absolutely 100% the best rod you possibly can build, and let's save money just through the distribution process. But let's not save money in componentry. Let's not save money because it's a horrible blank. Let's not save money in the eyelets. Or I mean, I I am not going to fish with a dumbed down rod um, because I'm part of the business. So right. so the only way that I will work with you on this is if you promise me we will always build 100% the best rod we possibly can build. And then I'm 100% on board, and then we'll figure out how to make it work. So, so that was the conversations really um, early on that Joe and I had. Uh, we built the JTX, and then uh, we got to this point right now. And um, uh, customers, I mean, I can tell you just on a daily basis, I mean, just from the last group I had here with this Napa group I mentioned, um, guys had brought their rods in the boat, and guys had used – um, our GTX light is what we were using on that day. And it is such an incredible difference between what most people are using and ours. I'm not talking about the guy that's using a Loomis NRX or, or a legend right. or something, whatever. I'm talking about what 95% of the fishermen are actually using compared to this kind of a high end rod. There is zero comparison. And it's the difference between a lot of times catching one fish or catching 15 or 20 fish. It's a huge, huge, huge difference. Um, and, uh, you know, as a fishing guide, we've got such a great opportunity because we can show that. We don't need to talk about it. I mean, it, obviously, you know, on social media, everybody's got the greatest, the greatest. Everything's the best on the planet. You know, we've got a great opportunity. You bring the best that you've got, bring it in my guide boat, and then we're going to let you utilize this. I'll tell you, it's about 99 times out of 100 people 
realize it doesn't mean they're always going to buy a fishing rod what have you but they realize they feel that difference they see that difference um and uh when they have an opportunity to be more successful catch more fish um i believe it's more fun i mean people say that they have uh um, fun fishing not catching fish i assure you they have more fun catching fish <laughs> well not only that is the process of catching the fish so you know you might not feel um not only that bite or that strike on a fish, you might just be reeling. Next thing you know, you got a fish on. But if you think about, you know, the JT rods, at least from my experience with them, you're feeling the whole process of leading up to that bite. You're feeling the ticks and the rocks on the bottom. You're feeling the first strike that you might have just missed that you never felt before. And then it's like lightning at the end of the rod because that energy transfer coming up through that and into your hands, it makes reeling in the fun or the fish that more that more fun. Yeah, so true, so true. And, um, you know, it, it, I mean, having the right rod uh, for the right technique is just really, really important. You know, the bite we're on right now, um, we're, catching, we're catching big walleyes and we're catching a fair amount of them, but we're catching them in kind of a resting position. So they're not real aggressive there. So they're actually feeding in the open basins. They're out there feeding in 100, 150 feet of water in Cisco's and snout out there just mowing them. But when they're in a fishable location, they're in that 30, 35 feet on rock piles and shoals or what have you. They're resting in those areas. So I don't know if people really understand that or not. But that's why that fish will regurgitate a 7-inch Cisco is you can barely force feed him a 2-inch Shiner because he's resting in that position. So that bite is super, super sensitive. Um, so if you got a, a fast-action rod, I mean, this is a prime example of my boat. Um, the one gentleman that fish had a had a an older model medium light rod, a graphite composite rod that was a great rod at the time. He spent 150 bucks on it or what have you. Um, it was zero comparison between that JTX light. By having that real light, soft tip and transition into the backbone, those fish would grab that bait. They would hold it and they would just just reposition it a couple different times. You were able to slowly load that rod up and catch that fish on a on a fast transitioning rod or an extra fast tip, um, or just a real horrible load curve on the thing where she jumps into the backbone right away, they would just tick it and gone. They would just be gone. They would not hit it again. They'd feel that tension immediately. Um, so it was, I mean, it was almost laughable in our boat. We all were using the, the you know, JTX lights or even the, the medium lights there. But without that, I mean, it would have been a huge difference in fish caught. So, um, so we get to see that on a daily basis with customers. Uh, that's great. Um, but customers themselves that are, that are starting to utilize these high-end rods um, are really seeing that difference. Um, and again, just like our guide service, now all of a sudden they're telling you know, their friends about it. And they're like, well, you got to try this. You got to just try this. You know, I mean, you're going you're gonna to have some success. And um, it's hard to go back when you've utilized something that's that high caliber. It's hard to go back to something else, and that's why JT's having such tremendous success. And they're known for having that high-end rod, and people know that they got something coming out. It's going to be good. Well, I <laughs> it's going to be good. Well, I think too that that model getting back to, like you said, you want the highest quality components, the best stuff going into making, you know, a high-end blank and a and, and a high-end fishing rod. That allows Joe to push the envelope to come out with new and better rods every year. So if you had, if let's say you had that, that classic retail model where it's like, you know, Cabela's is like, we got to make our, 
our dollar on here. So that forces you to cut back your, your quality or your pricing or, you know, cheaper components going into your rod so they can make a better number at JT. They're always putting in the highest technology, the best stuff. So they're going to push that envelope and bring it to you at a price point that makes sense to the average angler too. That's a hundred percent right. One of the fears we've always had with a, to be in a big box store. So we're just too small of a company to be in a big box store. Right. Um, those orders, those orders are so big for a smaller company uh, that now all of a sudden you're at the beck and call of that company. So right. if they say, Hey, we're going to sell your rod for $300. No, no, it's going to sell for 400. No, we're going to sell it for 300. Well then to make it work, what do you do? Well, then you're going to have to cheapen something up That's you know, right. or, or, or yeah, so that that's the way it's a race to the bottom. That's the way it works actually in all products. So yep. so as soon as especially if you're a younger company or a smaller company, you've got X amount of capital and you've got your product. So everybody comes out with the best. I mean you'll see it in, you'll see it in suits, you'll see it in just almost everything. I could I could give you a hundred different examples. But when you bring that in and then they tell you that it's gonna have to be priced here, this is what the market's gonna bear then you cheapen your product up to make sure you can meet those margin levels. And I'm not going to do that. So, so this is not going to happen. So that doesn't mean we're not going to be in a big box store. Um, but we're going to be in there when we're ready to be in there and we can maintain exactly our direction as a company and not cheapen anything up. Um, because that would be the ultimate failure in my mind would be then to also send a mixed message to somebody they try the rod and they go, this isn't that great. This right. isn't that great a feel. This isn't, you know, no, I don't want that. I would rather have um, this rod. Hey, this rod isn't for everybody. You know what? These rods aren't cheap. I mean, you know what? I mean, I don't, I don't think every 15-year-old should be go out there buying three or $400 rods. I mean, maybe they got a $500 car. So, so don't, <laughs> it doesn't mean it's for everybody. Right. What I can tell you is, is this is the best that you can buy at the best price that you can find it at, um, that I know of, um, we've got the skinniest margins and we're developing ridiculous rods, but they're still not cheap. (laughs) No, they're not. But that quality that you've seen, the other thing too, is you might like uh, a JTX long rod, but maybe you haven't dabbled into the ice rods. You're going to see that quality throughout all of it. Their ice rods are just as good as the long rods. And it's not just, you know, saying that, oh, it's a, it's a shorter blank. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to cheapen everything up and not not everyone can really know the difference in an ice rod. I tell you what, the ice rods will blow your mind as well. It, it, it it gives you such an advantage. It really does give you an advantage. Um, so I was, you know, I was here, you know, I caught a fish on this or I, I catch a fish on a $3. I could catch a fish on a stick. Of course you can. Of, of course you can. I started fishing in a 14 foot aluminum boat. I mean, like, you know, we didn't have high end rods. We didn't have nice, nice boats to fish out of or comfortable boats. What I will tell you is that a 20 foot fiberglass boat or a 21 foot fiberglass boat, heck of a lot more comfortable than a 14 foot aluminum boat. It allows me to get down the lake faster, to fish faster, more comfortable. Um, I got better position on fish. So, you know what? That boat allows me to catch more fish than the 14-foot aluminum boat. That doesn't mean I can't catch any fish in that 14-foot aluminum boat. Right. Um, electronics. I mean, you know what? I first started with electronics. I had like suction cups on the back of my electric hummingbird wide eye stuck on the back of that 14-foot aluminum boat. And you know what? Caught some fish with it. Made transition into uh, 
uh, fish icon looked like Pac-Man on the back there. But you know what? <laughs> I still was able to mark some fish and figure something out and find a break line, catch some fish. Um, now I got side imaging. Now I've got, you know, down imaging. Now, I mean, there's a huge difference. Could oh I catch God. fish on the hummingbird if I put it back there? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> spot lock changes your game. Spot lock. I mean, so, <laughs> so all these things that are coming out um, in every aspect of the industry, from electronics to boats to tackle to cold weather gear um, to warm weather gear um, to fishing rods yeah. are allowing us to be better at our craft. Um, and, and as soon as, um, somebody doesn't raise the bar again, then the industry was going to get stagnant. So, uh, we feel that we've got a real key role in making sure that we continue to raise the bar. And I don't think it's us against Loomis or us against St. Croix. It's us against us. No, it's so good. It's good for the industry. It's, it's going to force everyone to go back and be, like you said, that competitive that competitiveness in everyone, you know what I mean? You got to bring, you got to bring it to the, to the table in order to, to be the best. That That's what I, that's what I think. And I know that's the way Joe thinks too. Uh, what Joe and I talk all the time. I mean, this, this was supposed to be, um, <laughs> in all honesty, this was going to be a little side business. We started and we're going to sell some fishing rods. We'll be able to run high end rods. This turned into a mega monster. Um, but I will tell you the vision is the same. The vision is absolutely the same as day one. Um, build a ridiculously high-end rod, give people advantages. Never in my wildest dreams would have I expected the the NWT Angler of the Year last year, Robert Blosser, to be on our team. NWT Angler this year, Brett King, to be on our team. Uh, Max Wilson winning the championship, the NWT being on our team. Um, all the, I mean, Joe the name series to the Joe Okada to I mean, um, honestly. I would have never, ever in my wildest dreams expected to be surrounded with such talented people. Um, you know, I look at, uh, you know, uh, Gary Parsons or Keith Kavias and, and Chase Parsons, real integral people in regards to our snare rods um, and helping that uh, and really developing a new fishing system. I'll tell you what, if you've got enough um, brain power, mind power, you can develop anything. So we're, we're very, very fortunate. And those guys uh, deserve a ton of credit. And they're highly involved with helping us develop high-end stuff. So, um, you know, we're, <laughs> I think, and Joe would say the same thing. We're, we're a couple people that are, are part of the program. But these guys, our entire staff, I mean, built of just unbelievable fishermen and passionate guys. And um, they're all real part of this team, big part of the team. <laughs> I was going to give a little credit to the the other pro staffers, maybe the, the, the some of the quote unquote no namers that some people might not know, but might be right locally that you don't even realize. You know, to to get your hands on something before you try it, or to reach out to someone who's very knowledgeable about the rods and how how they are fished. You know, they might be ten miles down the road. You could text them or DM them on Facebook and. Any one of our staff members, I bet you would get in their trucks or their cars, drive down the road and meet you at your local watering hole, let you get your hands on some of the rods, which I really yeah. like. I really like that model. You know, it's not yeah. it's not like I'm holding it in the store and it feels really good, but, you know, I don't know how, how it's going to work out on the water with my jigging wraps or something like that. You know, you can go out there, demo it, test it out for the day, and then and see which one's for you. 
It, that's exactly exactly right. You know, I mean, um, I'm a big service guy. Um, I built my business on, in my opinion, on 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 a real high level of service, um, and that's what we wanted to have with JT as well. Um, you know, I mean, uh, you know, not to take anything away from a retail setting, we've got uh, retail stores that carry our product. We try to stay in retail stores that are that are really help educate the customers um, and and really are knowledgeable with the product. Make sure they're getting the right rod. I mean, you know what? We've got some great rods, but if you're using them for the wrong thing, it's not going to work. I mean, if you're trying to, you know, finesse, you know, fish panfish with a black rain, I mean, or you think you're going to have the the if it's a three hundred dollar rod, should be all fish, panfish, and crappies, and and just try, you know, I mean, they're going to be designed to do something in particular. So we want to make sure that the consumer is real is making a real educated decision, and so he gets the best product for what he wants it to do. So so that's going to take uh, some service. So our staff is just tremendous at that. And and our staff are built with like I'll tell you these guys are great great fishermen and great people, you know. And, and uh I'll tell you from from the guide service standpoint, it's easier to find uh great fishermen than it is to just great people. Um yeah. and uh, that's the first thing I look for. I want, a, I want a good person. You know, we could teach you a few things on the lake. We could t- teach you a few things about some fishing routes here and there, but I can't teach you how to be a good person. <laughs> that's right. The people behind the brand are important, and I think that's a big part of why JT is so successful as well. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so we're getting up into ice fishing season right now. I want you to name, maybe if people aren't familiar with JT Outdoor Products, can you name three products that they would want to maybe look at to change their game for this ice fishing season coming up? I know there's a ton of great rods. We've got a lot of them, but what's three that people might not have thought about in the past or other products like a hot box or something like that, that people should try. Absolutely. Um, Number one, I don't know if anybody in the world has not heard of the walleye snare or the panfish snare right now. Um, It's probably the hottest fishing rod in the entire fishing industry. Uh, and fishermen's been been grabbing it and doing you know articles on it. Um, the the snare rod has changed my personal game. Uh, I'll give you a couple examples here. I used to fish crappies. We got big crappies on Rainy Lake. We do a lot of guide trips for ice fishing for crappies, and I used to only crappie fish the one rod. The second rod seemed completely worthless. Um, it's such a light finesse upbite that you pretty much uh, needed to be right on top of that rod, you know, and, and uh, you know, um, tip-ups wouldn't work. I mean, you, that's a, tr- a triggering mechanism uh, of tension that just doesn't work with, with crappies at all. Um, and, uh, you know, the snare rod um, allowed us to now spread out our presentations and that that panfish snare is so so light and sensitive and that backbone is perfectly positioned within that rod that those big crappies will grab that bait i'll watch it i've watched a hundred times if i've watched it once they'll grab it and they'll drop that rod tip about a half inch or an inch and it just sits there and then they'll slowly fade away and i think somewhere along the way they get some tension they get spooked, they dart, and they literally snare themselves. And from a guy that uh, was well-known for catching a lot of big crappies and ran a whole pile of uh, crappie panfish trips, um, I only fished with one rod before, and now we're using the snare rods and a, um, a finesse rod for you know jigs of plastics and stuff. 
and we're actually catching more fish on the snare rod than we are on the other one. So um, it's just a huge game changer between that and the walleye snare. Now that works in conjunction with the hot box. Um, it works for a couple different reasons. I think we're catching more fish because we're able to spread our presentations out. We're getting, we're making more contact with fish. Um, and then that area is not getting any pressure. We're not, you know, we're not jumping around. It's not making any noise. There's not shadowing the hole. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, um, anglers have a, have a, um, they just overfish the bait. They see something coming on their vexler, they overfish it. They get real aggressive right away, and they screw it up a lot of times. Yeah. Um, where where if you got your snare rod sitting there all by itself, that crappie can just kind of fade in there and stare at that bait, and it just sits there naturally. You don't ever you know adjust that that little crappie minnow is kind of swimming naturally, or whatever it may be, and they'll take that bait without any human interaction there, and. Uh, it just makes a huge difference sometimes. I mean, I'll, I'll see it in the guide boat all the time in the summer. People overwork the bait. I mean, guys especially. If it's if it's tough, the guy's response is to work it harder. Right. We got to work harder. We got to. We got. I got to try this. I'm gonna try this. And a lot of times, it's just the opposite. Slow it down. Do nothing with it, because that fish is neutral or negative. He doesn't want anything aggressive. So that plays into that snare rod. But that's a real long answer, I know. So no. the snare rod, you just have. I mean, the snare rod, if you're not using a snare rod, you absolutely have to use a snare rod. It's going to catch more fish. You can call me if it doesn't. The, the walleye snare and the panfish snare, fun to fish with, and it's going to catch more fish. Uh, from there, uh, the black rain, critical. If you're on a big fish bite, um, uh, I believe for many, 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 many years, guys have been using too light of a blank when it comes to ice fishing. So think about this. Summertime, we're sitting out there in a 6'10", 7, 7, 6 rod. We get a hit. We reef a hook set in that. We jump out of our tennis shoes with a 7-foot rod, rip it as absolutely hard as we can. How oftentimes is that 28 to 30-inch walleye actually have that barb stuck in the top of his mouth? Yep rarely yep rarely it's usually barely in the skin because it's so hard to penetrate that the the mouth of a big walleye that he grips it tight hard bony mouth and that's with us you know a six ten seven foot rod reefing a hook set now we're ice fishing and we've got this 24 inch super light rod that we give a little finesse hook set to or whatever it may be, and we expect to land that big fish. I will tell you, um, when we transitioned into the black rain, um, that's a medium-powered rod up to a medium-heavy, I, I started using that 38-inch um, black rain, and our hooking or landing percentage has gone through the roof. So I would agree um, with that, and, and, and that's something that just, we transitioned to in within JT. You know, we came out with that because I think that demand that we saw, or you guys seen that demand, and yep. that that engineering. I mean, last year the black the black rain was just lights out for it. Critical, real critical. So, so if you're a guy that's uh, if you're if you're moving an aggressive bait, like you're moving a blade bait or ripping shad or whatever, first of all, you need a you need a heavier duty blank just to work the bait effectively. Mm-hmm. A lot of times guys are like, well, I just I need that medium power to be able to handle the fish when, when I got them hooked up. Well, what about catching what about getting the bite? If you can't even move your bait right, you're not gonna get hit. So uh, you gotta be able to first of all move your bait correctly. So um, so a lot of times uh, that, that medium powered rod is gonna be effective for you. But now in my opinion, if you can get into that uh, you know 38 inch rod and a medium power 
Um, you're going to be able to work your bait correctly. You're going to catch more fish of the big fish. And, you know, people have got this mentality that when you get into a medium power rod, now it's a boat oar and it's going to be heavy and it's not going to have any feel. This is pure carbon. It doesn't weigh anything. So right. it doesn't weigh anything. Great energy transfer. You can, you can still get some flex on a 14-inch walleye. But when that fish of a lifetime comes in, and for a lot of times, guys, it might be once a year, once every two years. Don't be on, you know, uh, don't have a rod that's not adequately built to handle that fish. It'll absorb the head shakes. It'll put that barb in them, and you got a way better chance of being the hero than the zero. <laughs> okay, that's two. Give us one more. One more. Um, for me, that the panfish snare, or I'm sorry, the the uh, panhandler for sure. Um, so when we're fishing crappies, uh, you know, our night null spring, Joe's got a special blend of night null um, uh, through JT. And that spring is so incredibly sensitive with a, with a, with a light tungsten on there. You can slightly load that, that uh, spring up and you can detect, a, I mean, a crappie breathing on that bait. So uh, for me, when it comes to fishing a microplastic, um, I used to use uh, more of a, a power noodle style rod. Um, and I was never a fan of spring bobbers. In fact, I would say that I hated spring bobbers, oh. um, but I hated, I hated a bad spring bobber. And that's what generally they were. They were bad spring bobbers. They'd load up, they'd lose all their, uh, their rebound effect. They just were ineffective. Um, and with this spring bobber that, that Joe has, it's integral to the rod. So it's built right within the rod. Um, it has no memory. You can twist it around your finger, it bounces back into place. Um, but it allows me... Uh, to pick up that very, very light bite. So I'd say the the best thing you can do is be a line watcher, um, to be able to just watch that line snap. I used to, when I was younger, and my eyes are way better than they are right now, I would put a little kink in my line. Um, and then I would I would watch that kink flex out uh, so I know I have a bite or, or it would bunch up more and I know I have a bite. So that bite is so, so light. Um, I will tell you that I can't see that line anymore. So uh, <laughs> now that, that light uh, indicator ball... Um, or what have you on a on a uh, you know a panhandler, it just makes all the difference in the world, and you can pick up that super super light bite, and it's just a a tremendous rod to fish with. That I can't tell you how many fish is put on the board. So panfish snare, um, you know, black rain for big fish, and panhandler uh, to just whack perch, crappies, bluegills, anything. Yeah, and you know everyone too. The the snare rod. It's an, it's not only just a rod, it's a new technique of fishing. That's what it's, that's what excites me. And a lot of people, I think it, it takes a little bit for them to understand that you're not just buying another rod. You're, you're, you're adding arsenal to your, to your, your game that is going to make you more successful on the ice. And like you said earlier, I think you're going to see that with your buddies around you. If you spread out and put those snare rods on, I mean, in Michigan, we get three rods. We're allowed to fish with three rods. So I'm jigging one yeah. in the hut and I've got two <laughs> snare rods out, you know, on either direction and different drop-offs and different, you know, structure around me. And you're going to see not well, only, not only is that huge not, advantage, it's, it's super huge. And not only that, but it's going to, like you said earlier, it's going to tell you what the fish want. If you see your snare rod getting hit nonstop, you know, it's probably more of an aggressive bite and you can start jigging a little bit harder in your shack. If you're jigging in yeah. your shack and you're not seeing anything and you see your snare rod slowly hitting on the outskirts with no noise around it, not much going on, maybe you just put all snare rods out and you don't jig at all. 
Sometimes that can be the most effective. You cover more pieces of ground. Yeah. And uh, just um, since we talked about it, we should talk just real briefly about setting your snare rod up. Um, oh, yeah, that's a good you know, idea. What I do, you know, so real key to the program um, is is the, the custom rod holder, JT's rod holder. That's critical. Um, if you were to put that in a uh, on a bucket, it's not going to work. If you're going to put it on a tubular style rod holder, it doesn't work. Uh, it needs to be on a cradle style rod holder that you can adjust the height and get that tip way up in the air. So that way you can get that total flex of that high rod there. Uh, so that's real, real key. Um, and now what you want to do is you want to pull that line down. And what I do is I have my one hand on the drag, one hand on the line. I'll pull the line down until the, until the rod tip touches the water and I'll adjust the drag so it slips when it hits the water. So that way, if I'm too far away and I'm eating a sandwich or what have you and a fish takes it and I didn't see it, I don't lose my fishing rod. That's so right. it's going to come down, it's going to pull drag, and I'm going to look out there and it's just going to be sitting out there pulling drag. Now, if that drag were tight, um, obviously in my mountain la-la land, that rod can be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so make sure if your drag is set right, it can't, unless it just runs all the line off your reel, <laughs> um, it's just going to be out there pulling drag. So what I do is then I'll race over there, grab my rod, one spin, look back, pull up, catch fish. So, um, but make sure that's set up correctly. On my rod holder, I always take, um, I take a, a ice screw like for our hub houses. So I use like, oh, um, yeah. I use a clam ice screw and on the back, uh, piece there i'll screw that thing in there down in the ice and then that wing will go over the back of the rod holder so the rod holder can't flip over on me i got gotcha. you uh, because it's actually so it's the screw is perpendicular the to the rod rod holder so basically you're making yep. your t in it or you're crossing it there so that way it can't come out i got gotcha. you absolutely so that thing is basically teed right to the ice itself um and then uh yeah the drag slips you know so yeah that's that's how i use them and uh you know we use them for for walleyes the walleye snares is absolutely critical um and what allows me to do is figure out where those fish are coming so you know and we in minnesota we can only use two rods um the guys that can use like three rods or four rods that's right michigan i mean i mean i don't know what you'd possibly think of by not having those rods i mean it's an advantage for us with one rod um <laughs> but especially for walleyes you know walleye he's he's he, it's a, a kind of a negative fish in the winter times a lot of times so yeah. he's gonna grab that thing really really subtle and a lot of times you know when we used to use flags all the time um the the false flags those are always walleyes i mean they just they hit that, and all of a sudden, then the then the weights come down. They got that extra weight. You know, maybe they're just biting it once. I mean, think right. about in the summertime. A lot of times, they just nip at it one time. They yep. don't just immediately take the bait and swallow it. Nope. They'll bump it once. So they bump it once. Now all of a sudden, there goes the bait. No bait's down the bottom. No, they mm-hmm. just swim away. I mean, so that change in tension is critical. So that walleye snare that just slow bait, and it's just a huge difference. So um, yeah, like, I don't think. I could sell that anymore, but no, <laughs> you have to have one. No, that's awesome. <laughs> so JT's becoming more and more involved with uh, shows. So where can people go this upcoming season to maybe take at, take a look at some of the ice rods and some of the long rods? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, boy, the show season's coming right up on us here too. So let me just think here. So the Blaine Hardwater Expo uh, will be there. Uh, of course, St. Paul, um, the big ice fishing extravaganza, uh, will be there. Um, we'll be, we'll be 
not in Milwaukee this year. We're going to be uh, in Sioux Falls okay. um, at their show. We're going to be at the Fargo show. Um, that's four. I believe there's another one that I'm forgetting here. Um, but those four shows for sure. Okay. Uh, and, uh, potentially, potentially another one there too. And I'm just slipping my mind here. That's fine. Well, it's, uh, I think there was talks about the New York one too, but I don't know if that's for sure, but yeah, I know we did talk about that. I don't know if that got sealed or not. <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to put, once I figure out more, I'll update it on the website too, on my website where folks can, cause I'm going to do an upcoming podcast also on some more ice fishing stuff. But also, where can folks find you and your guide service? We didn't even get into like the Rainy River. I'm gonna have to have you on again back for the your big <laughs> Rainy River run. Yeah. But where can folks find you uh, for Rainy Days Guide Service? Absolutely. Um, so our website is www.rainydays r a i n y d a z e outdoors dot com, uh, or they can follow us on Facebook. Um, and uh, or just give us a call. Um, our Facebook page is updated just about daily, so you can always see what we're doing, or what we're chasing, what we're catching, or what we're not catching there. Um, or or even find us at the shows. So I'll be there with uh, JT. I'll be there with with Clam Outdoors. I'll be uh, doing seminars. If you get a chance to go to these shows, definitely come there. I mean, you can see the rods for yourself. You can talk to myself. You can talk to the staff members. Talk to Joe. Uh, boy, there's what a great opportunity to meet people and see the stuff. So um, get out and get to see some of these shows. And we look forward to talking to you about the rods or talking to you about a guide trip. I love it, dude. Well, hey, good luck in Alaska. And then also, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll see you in October, right? We'll see you in October, man. I can't can't wait for that. That's going to be fun. We're going to have, uh, I believe we have 50. <laughs> this is how surreal this is that I think about this here. Uh, I think we're going to have 50 staff members at our fall get-together, 50 JT uh, staff members at Donna Malax there. Uh, I just... It's so much fun. It just honestly is a dream come true to be surrounded with uh, uh, everything fishing. And every, everybody's a fisherman, and, and uh, it's just so much fun. But, yeah, we'll see you there, buddy. All right, man. Well, hey, safe travels. All right. Thank you. Thanks. And there you go. The harsh realities of being a fishing guide. I tell you what, though, if it's your passion and you wake up every day and you really think you can do it, I hope this was a little bit of insight of what it takes to be successful and, uh, you know, like Chris said, maybe don't do what he did and just quit everything and go. But find that job that allows you to do a little, you know, a little side hustle and uh, fishing guiding on the side and then ease your way into it. I want to thank Chris for coming over to the podcast, spending time with us. Remember to check him out at Rainy Days Guide Service and uh, head on over to JT Outdoor Products. And if you have any questions, you can look at the uh, pro staff over there, email them, get in contact with someone in your area. Or you can DM me, send me an email, ask me some questions about some of the products. Be happy to answer your guys' questions. Okay, as promised, episode number eight, I'm going to have Jason Sankoviak on from Traditional Bow Hunting and Wilderness Podcast. Man, this guy is just a fountain of knowledge. If you head over to his YouTube page at uh, Traditional Bow Hunting and Wilderness Podcast, he's got videos about everything, things that you never even thought about that maybe you can hone in on your skills and uh, sharpen up a little bit. Like best climbing sticks, best headlamps to use in the in the woods, uh, how to be mobile when uh, deer hunting on public land, sharpening knives, how to sharpen your broadheads, 
I mean, it goes on and on and on, and it's just, he's easy to listen to, and you learn a ton of information. So remember to email me those questions at freshwaterbite.com, and we'll get some of those questions on uh, the episode, just like we did today. And as always, I appreciate you all. Thanks for listening.